Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar. Hello, it's Peter Oborn in Wiltshire, where it's been raining permanently for the last two days. Hello, it's Richard Heller in south-east London. We've had a lot of rain, um, but it's now cold and bright. Rather a day for batting first, sitting in the pavilion and telling the openers not to score a four before lunch. And today we have uh, two really fantastic guests. It's a very moving story. I was determined the moment I heard it to that we should discuss it on the podcast. Uh, the hero of the story is Fernando Sugat, who's a migrant worker uh, from Sri Lanka who landed up in as a cleaner in, in Beirut 25 years ago and started playing cricket. Uh, Beirut, for those who know it, is a very crowded city. There's virtually no land available, but they found a car park owned by the Jesuit church and the Sri Lankans and then the subcontinental community, the migrant workers in Beirut. They got going, it became really popular, and then, of course, authorities bore down on them. And the story we're talking about here is this great battle to get cricket going again in Beirut and, and what's happened since. And with Fernando, we have Will Dobson, who owns a bookshop in Beirut. And Will joined the cause, the great cause, of getting cricket being played in the car park in Beirut. Hi, Peter. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for, for having us both on. Welcome, Will. But Fernando, tell us your story. Hello, everyone, and uh, many thanks for having having us uh, with you guys. And um, I came to Lebanon in 1996 and uh, started to work in the company as a cleaner. And uh, one year passed by, and uh, 1997, I think, and then uh, one Sri Lankan guy, uh, he's, he was he was working in a supermarket. Uh, then uh, I was passing by and he came and he asked me, um, do you know how to play cricket? And uh, on that time I was searching to play cricket. I said, of course, yes. And uh, then he invited me to play cricket in, um, in a building underground car park on Saturday evening. So I went there Saturday. Uh, you know, it's a very small space. And uh, actually, it's a, it's a car park of the building. So we start playing there. And then uh, on that time, uh, there are some uh, playgrounds available outside the Beirut. And there was a tournament as well. So we played. Uh, starting on that point, uh, we are playing cricket. And um, in 2000, year 2000, yes, uh, we found out there's a big car park at next to the church, USJ church. And uh, we went to, to the father there. His name, uh, his name is Father Martin. He's, uh, he's from USA. And uh, we went to him and uh, we asked the permission uh, to use the car park to play cricket. And um, at that time, uh, uh, there was no hesitation from the father. He, he, he directly tell us, yes, go ahead. You can use the car park and play cricket. So this is how we started uh, playing cricket at the car park. And then we played cricket for like 16 years or something. And then um, 
then they started to have trouble and they stopped playing us at the car park but there was nothing to do with the church um they were tried but uh, we couldn't get it and That's this is how we start there so fernando you're describing you've got your the cricket's all set up you're playing every weekend and then something happens you're very you are quite mild about it but what what tell us what happened um what really really happened was um there was a security person i think in charge of the security uh of the usg car park which is a university car park it was the, the, the car park we are using belongs to the uh, church and to the university and and another part i don't know exactly those people use one security security firm uh, in order to arrange every security things of the cars and students and stuff like that but this person for any reason he doesn't like us i don't know why and he for instance let's say when we are playing on sunday we start like 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that and and he come like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and while we are playing he come in the middle of the pitch and he throw the stumps and he asked us to go home and they said you are not allowed to play so but we were begging him to to let us play or you know we were begging him actually and then like half an hour or one hour later he gave us chance to okay go ahead play he did for few few months like same thing and then we realized he complained to the owners saying that we are fighting at the ground and we are drinking at the ground and we we throw garbage on the ground and uh, so many complaints uh, which were not true and then um, somehow one day in 2016 or something i i think in 2016 and he he said you are not allowed to get into the car park and that's it and and we 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 were out Fernando, there were two uh, interu- really serious interruptions to your play. Uh, the first one happened early on, didn't it, after you'd been there for about five years. Tell us about how the army arrived. Yeah, um, I I don't really remember which year it was. Maybe, yeah, 15 years ago or something like that. And there was a tournament and that uh, actually, it was not the ground, it was what we call William uh, excavation site uh, yes excavation site and um, they were like it was a six side tournament and there were like 20 teams or plus and it was in the evening and uh, we were my team and we were playing the semi final in the middle of the uh, i mean in the in the pitch it was a semi final uh, and uh, we were in a good position to win by the way um, <laughs> you wrote yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it it was, the, the other team was uh, like they scored only five runs so three down there were only two wickets remaining on the semi final we were in a strong position and and then i was down i still remember there were like two army trucks came and stopped because we were down and we can see on top of the road and uh, i think it's like two army trucks came and they stopped the soldiers went down with the weapon and they surrounded whole the ground uh and then uh, then i think the 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 head of the army he came to down 
and they i think our sri lankan ambassador was there as well if i remember well and then he he spoke to the ambassador and uh, then they started to uh, check our uh, documents i mean legal documents so that was the end of the tournament and they they got like i think almost 30 workers migrant workers as without legal documents and and they took them back to the you know their stations uh, the good thing was that we were able to get them back by paying them on that time and uh, we were make sure there was nobody stand at the prison or anything that made a huge thing for the cricket community in lebanon because then the people is people uh, the, the, the 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 people who are help us who, who are coming to watch the game they stopped coming because they were scared i mean on that time there were like 500 people watching the game <laughs> it was in that time there were like 80000 sri lankan migrant workers in in this country and most of them they loving cricket so every sunday when you have a tournament there were a lot of turnout there were like 500 people watching and supporting and you know uh so yeah then then uh, then uh, the cricket go down uh, because of that incident when I mean, the people stopped coming and watching <laughs> yeah that's one reason so basically the 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 army have turned up because there's loads maybe a hundred plus migrant workers playing um in this excavation site in a tournament uh, and they come up and they take you off to prison they go through your papers and so forth it must have been you're talking about it quite uh, mildly, but actually, it sounds completely terrifying. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, it it was like a tough, tough, tough thing to happen. But uh, because honestly, we know who we are in this country. Even though they help us, to my family. You know, I'm working and I I got my job here and I got my my expenses to my salaries and you know everything i got from this country i built a house and i got married and i got children and my i spent like more than 26 27 years in this country and they helped me a lot you know uh, because of that still my family uh, living my my parents my 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 own family they all uh, living because of this country i earn some money and i i help to my family so in all of, on top of all of that, and we understand who we are in this country, so that's why I am not that much, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not that much uh, uh, scary or whatever it called it, because we know who we are in this country, so that's it. So, William, at what point uh, did you uh, get involved in the cricket in Beirut? So I'd, so I'd moved to Beirut in, in 2012, and I guess it's probably kind of one of those typical, you know, British expat stories in the sense of, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to set up a cricket club in, in Beirut and see if there were people kind of interested in playing? Um, I had an ulterior motive for this as well, actually, because I'd met someone, American actually, who owned a microbrewery. It was uh, Lebanon's first ever microbrewery. And I thought if I could set up a cricket club, maybe he'd sponsor us. Mm. And it turned out bizarrely, he actually loved cricket and said yes to this idea. So I set up a cricket club, um, 
met some Indians via Facebook and we went on a Sunday morning and we, for a couple of hours, you know, six or so, you know, British expats, six or so Indian expats in a, in a kind of, I guess it was a bombed out um, former abandoned Syrian military base just to the north of the city. And then we all went to the pub, which was kind of the main reason for having set up the cricket club in the first place. And, and on the way back from the pub, I took a shortcut through the car park. And lo and behold, of all the days, um, I came across um, Fernando and his friends playing extraordinarily serious kind of cricket in this car park, which I had no idea was happening. And I didn't quite know how, but I got chatting to Fernando and he told me the story about, you know, what had happened in, in 2005 with, with the army coming and the arrests and how this had led to kind of the demise of, of big cricket tournaments. And so I kind of started going down, you know, every Sunday to the car park. Obviously, I wasn't allowed to play because I wasn't very good. Um, and I wanted to change this. So I suggested to Fernando that we try and do another tournament. And I think as, as in so many places of the world, being British, you know, for, for probably all the wrong reasons, has a certain cachet. So I got in touch with the British ambassador and asked for a letter um, from the embassy to say that he was going to come and, you know, be president of this tournament. And I took it to the local police station and they actually end up providing us kind of security for, for the tournament to kind of, you know, assuage any potential fear from, from the kind of the migrant community. And so we kind of hosted a tournament. This would have been in 2013. I think we had 12 teams back then. And, and so kind of through that, I kind of got involved and, um, and Fernando and I started organising these tournaments again um, from 2013 onwards up until 2017 when, when we lost the ground. I go to Beirut quite a lot. Was the, that would have been Tom Fletcher as the... Uh... Exactly. Um, yeah, the, I think the letter been... said actually he wasn't going to be able to attend, but I doctored it slightly. Um, to, to remove. Well, anyway, <laughs> but they, but good old Tom Fletcher. Just to strike the knot out. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm very proud. Makes me proud to be British that the ambassador hmm. uh, came to the aid of the migrant workers and made sure that we were on their side. It does prompt me to ask, though, Fernando, have you had any support from the Sri Lankan embassy? Forgive me for asking, does it even have an embassy in Beirut? I must do with such a big community to service. There is a Sri Lankan embassy in, in, in Beirut. Hmm. Yeah. And every single time when we ask help, of course, they're helping for organizing the tournament. They never say no. Good. But but they do not have enough power to to go to the Lebanon government and ask for the ground or the park or anything. So just whenever we have a tournament, we have to find the place. And, uh, and then if we go for them, ask for any help by money or trophies or any kind of a thing, of course, they always say yes. But the places, no. They, have, they, they cannot go a lot of things. They cannot do a lot of things here in Lebanon. No. But actually, I wanted to mention as well for the British ambassador, it was uh, my honor that uh, that time he came and uh, in 2013, I think, and he came and it was raining. And he had uh, Sri Lankan uh, food, and he got some. And yeah, then, exactly. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he was he was uh, unbelievable. I'm really appreciate, and he, he he came that time and uh, spent some time with us under the rain. And yeah, he he, he was a very good person. Yeah. Before he, before taking up the 
a Beirut job. He was foreign policy advisor to Gordon Brown in Downing Street, I seem to remember. So he's quite a serious chap. Fernando, I mean, just putting the point of view uh, of the car park owners, um, presumably, you know, there's some pretty expensive cars in the car park and they don't, um, you know, they don't want cricket because they don't want uh, their cars damaged. Is is that a fair point? Uh, no, I mean, uh, the, the car park is they are using only for the university students. So Sunday, there is no university, there is no cars in the, in the, in, in the park. Well, that's a simple answer. And you were playing... Okay, it can cause some damage, but you were playing tennis ball cricket, right? All the time you weren't playing yeah, hard. Yeah, we're playing yeah, the hard ball. Right. Yeah, we, we are playing on the softball, and and we make sure. I mean, I don't remember there was any car last fifty. I think I used car park for like fifteen years or something. Uh, there was no car on Sundays at the car park. In other words, there was no there was no authentic or genuine reason for the car park owners to want you uh, taken off the car park they just they were just acting vindictively correct yeah just to be clear for a moment Fernando were you is a tennis ball or a tape ball it's Did a tennis use, ball a tennis, tennis ball. ball it wasn't even, yeah. ta- wasn't even taped up right okay yeah yeah mm. Presumably, in the in that environment, that's all you could use, though, isn't it? Because you you wouldn't have had a sort of green wicket or a or a matting wicket or anything like that. You're you're being very you're just making the best use you can of of, of the of the place you are and the materials you've got. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Will, you've watched the games. You say, I mean, I played cricket with you several times, and you're a pretty nice cricketer. Uh, though you, I'm sure you would be too modest to say so. Hit the ball very hard and bowl quite well. But you said you weren't good enough to play for Fernando's team. Well, I think, you know, there's a huge difference between tennis ball cricket and, and hardball cricket anyway in terms of the, the skill set and, and even the technique. Um, but, I mean, the standard that is played in the car park is, is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, Fernando's one of the, the best ball strikers I've ever, I've ever seen in, in any cricket anywhere in the world. Um, and I've watched quite a lot of cricket around the world, so I think that's quite a big statement. Um, but one I'd stand by, and and I mean this, the standard itself is is absolutely phenomenal. That's uh, I must say I'm, I'm longing to go and watch these games. Perhaps we should take a team out. Could we take a team out to Beirut and Fernando and play against you? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> You're welcome. I don't think you do very well, but <laughs> I think, let's not get over ambitious. Let's just do what the British ambassador did and. Um... <laughs> And watch the proceedings and eat Sri Lankan food, which is delicious. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, no, no. It sounds fantastic. So anyway, here we are. It's 2017, I think we're saying. And the uh, and the car park owners have brought an end to cricket. What did you do, Fernando? Uh, it was um, very heartbroken to know that uh, we will not be able to play any cricket anymore. And... Um, we tried to find alternative places, but uh, we end up end up uh, using the the place that they throw garbage, and and Sunday we go there and they remove the garbage in the middle of the pitch and we started to play, but it didn't work as well because the the, the people who were to take care of this garbage area and uh, they ask money, we gave them money. And, uh, you know, a lot of issues and then stop. And uh, then after that, me and uh, William, we tried 
to find. I think William, he sent a lot of email to the, and he tried his best uh, because on my side, I couldn't do anything. Uh, as I mentioned before, um, our ability to do here in this country is very, very little. So we are not welcome many places. So it's not like William. The William he tried his best. He he met a lot of people, and I think he he sent a lot of emails to a lot of high rank people. But unfortunately, it didn't work. So we stopped playing almost five years of cricket. Yeah. How could you, Fernando? You've been playing for twenty years since your arrival in, in in Beirut, and it must have been absolutely. I mean, just about you weren't able to play cricket anymore after that. It just came to an end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, yeah, I, I played more than twenty years in Lebanon. I mean, then. Uh, and you were explaining that you lived for your cricket. You just loved your cricket, and it was get. Imagine you work very hard all week, earning a wage for your family, and then. You've had that every Sunday. Every you can go and play cricket and enjoy yourself and get rid of all the exercise and the joy of it, and then that's all gone. Exactly, and not only for myself, all the cricketers here in Lebanon, and they all like. We spend the Sunday. We started spend like Sunday like in a very stressful way, and we were. We were trying our hard, not only me and William by ourselves, the, the others, they were trying. They they tried to find alternatives, how we're going to spend the Sunday, and we wanted to play some cricket. We tried our best, but it's nothing works for us. So we wait and we wait, and and, and honestly, I, and me and me, myself and William, we tried like a few months ago. We went to another place that we used to play cricket, and end up also in negative way. I mean, we didn't get any any positive answers from the owners. So, so we were thinking. I myself, I was thinking, uh, just finish the cricket is finished in my life. So, <laughs> and then uh, then then the right thing happened. Fernando, I imagine that um, cricket might have been especially important to you and all the Sri Lankan community as. Um, really as a way of keeping your identity, uh, not just as recreation, but as a way of identifying yourselves in, in a strange land where, where as you say, you've, um, you've got no rights at all and where you're just working. Um, I imagine cricket must have had a real emotional significance for you as well. Of course it is. I mean, uh, even I was, in the, I, was, I was a kid, like, like 10, 12 years old. I still remember... Uh, my parents they they started to loving cricket, and then my mother she cooked very early in order to catch the game, and my father he did what he has to do during the day. He wanted to do it as soon as possible before the game starts. So that 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 kind of emotions we had since since we are very young, and when we come to the Le- when I come to the Lebanon, once we found out that we can play cricket here in Lebanon, so it's changed all my things, you know, and. Uh, not only me, all the Sri Lankan community, actually, that we are playing with some uh, other nationalities, but actually Sri Lankan community has changed the way we think. Because we, even uh, the summer, winter, or the, the, the weather, we don't, we, we don't care about all those things. We just wanted to go to the car park and we wanted to play cricket just because that this is the only thing that makes us happy and makes us uh, you know, feel better. So we were counting 
till Sunday. So once we finish Sunday play cricket and we go home, we just counting. Okay, we still have six days to go. So we just focusing on 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 Sunday and and we are checking the weather and everything. Everything is starting on Monday to to see how it's going to be on Sunday. Even the weather forecast said Sunday is going to be heavy storm or whatever it called. And we go to the playground. Even we go to the playground. So at least you just even we don't have time. We, even we don't have to play under the rain or something. We just wanted to go to the playground just to stand there, <laughs> just to spend some time. It's just like you know. This is how we feel about the game, and uh, and if someone asks you, spend like twenty plus years in another country is more than half of my life I spent in Lebanon. That is one reason. I mean, it makes me easier to live. It makes me like uh, I'm living with my, my with my family because it's once you play cricket, it feel you more comfortable and feel better. So I, it's not only for my my thing. Also, it's it's all for the all the migrant workers who are playing in Sri Lanka, uh, cricket in Lebanon. I mean, this is how they all feel. They all feel the same way like I do. I mean, they always wanted to have this game going on, and we this is what we we doing. So I spent like twenty plus years in this country. I'm still here uh, because it makes me something on Sunday once we play cricket. The nearest thing is in Britain, you know. Uh, People who go and watch, you know, season ticket holders at, at the local club, it matters a huge amount. It's part of who you are, but it's it's even more than that, isn't it? For you in 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 Beirut, of course, of course. I mean, like a few weeks ago that we organized a tournament, that the, the way that the people turn out and the people they they enjoy the game and the the watching the game, of course, Fernando and. Um... William, this the story has a, a happier ending, a happier recent ending, doesn't it? Because you're able to move back into the car park, uh, to play in the car park again, and you've just uh, organised this, what sounds like an amazing tournament with, I think, 30 teams in it. Tell us how that came about. Um, once, uh, once we got the car park back, thanks to the father, Richard, who came from Sri Lanka, uh, I think a few months ago, and uh, uh, we have in Sri Lanka we have a traditional thing it's called Sri, Sri Lankan and Tamil New Year which is on April 13th and 14th so the, someone from the church Sri Lankan person he organized this uh, the, this event at the car park and the permission got from the father Richard who came from Sri Lanka and then once it finished on April 13th uh, this this event and Father Richard was interested to he interested on cricket, so he was asked someone that you guys were playing cricket here. Oh, he heard this story. We are playing cricket here. So somehow he got my number and he called me back two days later and he asked me to come and uh, and talk to him. And um, he said he promised us he's gonna get the car park back to you for play cricket. So this is how we got the car park thanks to uh, Father Richard and of course USG uh, fathers, and and uh, the owners kind enough to give us back again. But about the tournament, and because as soon as we knew that once we got this car park, we wanted to make the tournament, and I and that time William was in England. And I think he was uh, planning to get married. And because of that, we delayed a little bit uh, until William back to the uh, Beirut. So once he back, 
I spoke to William and of course William always helping for everything. So um, we spoke to him and we decided to go ahead with the tournament. And we, we went to the, uh, on that time I was thinking maybe we might have like 12 to 16 teams for the tournament. It is six aside tournament. So uh, roughly I was thinking maybe 12 to 16 tournaments. So I went to the Sri Lankan embassy and I spoke to the Sri Lankan ambassador and uh, when I told her about this uh, tournament and she said, yes, go ahead and they're going to help us to do, do it. So this is how we started and then after that, the husband of the ambassador and uh, he said, since it's a tournament, you can you can send email to the other embassies who play in cricket, so they might be able to get give teams or something like that. And the William also come and he started to sending emails to everyone. We end up with thirty teams. We were thinking only uh, twelve to sixteen, including Alsama. Uh, there were four teams, and um, Unifel, Sri Lankan Unifel. Uh, there are two teams and Sri Lankan, Indian Unifel as well. They, they, they gave us two teams. So all together it were 30 teams. And uh, we got three women teams as well. Mm -hmm. So this is how we started. But uh, I never thought it's going to end up in, in that, that much. We interviewed uh, Asama, which is an amazing, another amazing story of cricket in, in the Lebanon. Uh, that Asama has built up a among the refugees, mainly Syrian refugees in um, the Shatila uh, refugee camp. Uh, they've been teaching them cricket and they reached a, a very high standard very quickly. It's an exhilarating story. And, it's, and so they were playing, weren't they, uh, at your tournament? And UNIFIL, of course, are the United Nations forces which keep peace in, in that part of the world down at the border. Yep. Oh, some has greatly expanded uh, since we interviewed them. They now have, I think it's nine. They were on four sort of cricket hubs when we spoke to them. They're now on nine in different parts of in different parts of Lebanon. And so, how did they get on, Asama? Because our listeners will be familiar with that wonderful story, Fernando. Did they play well? Of course, they did play well. Everybody was excited to see them back again because. Uh, like three years ago, uh, I think that Richard, uh, he's, he asked me to come and uh, give some advice or something like that for their kids. I went there the way that they started three years ago or something. And um, they were very young. Uh, and I was surprised the way that they play cricket in the car park. The only problem that they, they had is, uh, this. I think this is the first time they, they came to uh, real uh, cricket pitch. Uh, other than they were playing in the small indoor... Yeah, I, I've been to the uh, Sh Sh Shatila camp where they play, and at, at yeah. last, just like the rest of Beirut, there's no room for, you know, you hardly yes. have... And uh, so they had, they had quite a big indoor room where they were practising and playing, uh, but there's very little space. And so that was the first time they've got out to a proper tournament outside, I presume, uh, Asama. Yes, yes, and um, and I think they enjoyed well. They enjoyed the uh, the plays, and they enjoyed the the way that the, uh, they saw other how the other other cricket other cricketers how they play in the game, and I'm sure the way they when 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 I saw them, they were so uh, so happy and so excited. So we are hoping to give give them more chances in the future for sure. Um, 
and the next tournament next uh, I'm, I'm planning to do another tournament for the only for the women in November because we, we got a lot of migrant women they wanted to play cricket so we have like six seven eights at this moment so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a tournament for them as well so in that time I'm gonna ask Alsama as well so they can join us for the tournament yeah they got some quite formidable women's women players, by the way. I watched them. I mean, they, they were fast and accurate. I couldn't believe it, actually, uh, in, in, in a refugee camp. Syrian refugees bowling yeah. in, a, in a refugee camp. We've seen some bit. We've, well, we interviewed three of the children who were at, at um, Al Sama in our podcast interview. I remember two were girls, um, Mariam and Amani, and uh, we interviewed Luai as well. And they re- the three of them were really committed. We saw video of them as well and they were all three very formidable players already at uh, about 14 or 15. So it's very exciting to hear about the women's tournament next month. Yep. Fernando you met, you, you said the first time uh, Alsama had played on a real cricket pitch is an interesting term. How is um, your pitch different and how is it more real than the pitches they had been playing on already? Yeah, c- c- compared to the other, uh, compared to the, the the place that they are playing, Alsama is artificial grass. Uh, the way that I saw three 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 years ago, something that is just artificial, and there is not twenty two yards, I think, on last time, and they were using just a small plastic balls and kind of a plastic bats, not the proper softball bats. So when you come to the our car park, compared to available another cricket pitches. We can easily call the our car park is has a proper cricket pitch, you know, and 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 it it was it is it is just a car park is like concrete, and the way the ball pitching and the way that you can bat on it, so all the if you if you uh, consider all those things, and you can easily say this is this is the proper cricket pitch compared to other available okay. uh, pitches in Lebanon, yeah. Right, okay. So it, it's, um, yeah, it's better called a... Now, I'd like to move on you a little bit. You had one rather important thing. You had a um, a message before the tournament from Kumar Sangakara. Very nice, very inspiring message, it sounds like. Um, how did he get to hear about it? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Uh, the William should should uh, uh, reply to that question, but uh, uh, he sent it to me this voice matches on my, my WhatsApp, and then uh, I look at it. It's Kumar Sangakara, and and he's saying something, and um, I watch it until the end. I I didn't pick it up. Uh, he said, "Our Lebanon cricket." You know, some some words I heard. It did not pick me. Uh, it didn't pick me what he said. And then I started to listen the second time he pronounced me Fernando. I said, oh, he's just sent it to me. Uh, honestly, it's, uh, <coughs> it's very emotional, uh, honestly, when I heard, even though he's a Sri Lankan uh, legend. And uh, he personally called my name and sent uh, a message. It's very emotional. I mean, uh, and uh, yeah, something to be proud and he called my name and said, but uh, I really don't know who is behind it, or William or the Matt. I really don't know. <laughs> but it's um, it was amazing. I have no words to say. Uh, I have no words to um, uh, express myself. I mean, you know, this is something very, very, very uh, unbelievable thing happened to me in my cricket life, sending, uh, getting message from the Kumar Sangha, someone like him, yeah. 
Well, Will, was this your, uh, William, was this your uh, doing, the Sangakara message? I might have had something to do with it. Um, so actually, I think the MCC, as listeners would probably know, are quite heavily involved with the Alsama project. So they'd come out in, in February and we'd met with Sarah Fain and, and Guy Lavender. Mm-hmm. And I'd introduced um, them to Fernando and, and asked Guy to, to help with the process of, of reacquiring the car park. And when Guy left, I got back in touch with him and said, maybe Kumar Sangakara would be up for sending a very short voice message to Fernando or a video message. And he was president at the time, wasn't he? I think he just... Or he just stepped down? It was Claire Connor, wasn't it? So he'd been the previous year. So this was Claire Connor. Um, But obviously he's still involved in the MCC. And so I think Guy had obviously got in touch with him. And two days later, um, he sent... Um, sent this video that Kuma Sangakara had recorded for Fernando. Wonderful. There was a very important point in Kumar's um, message, wasn't there? He said, I think, he said that park cricket of the type you, they were playing in the tournament and before was the essence of the game. And there's a lot of snobbery mm-hmm. about park cricket, isn't there? Which which, which there shouldn't be. Um, there's, um, you know, a lot of talk of it not being real cricket, but it's it's very real cricket, and it's you know it's the cricket of the people, the the, the cricket that people that, that that people play, and um, uh, you know this is where it all begins in um, in not just in countries like Lebanon, but really worldwide, isn't it? Well, I think it's you know it's, I think it's a really important point, and I think you know coming back to the UK, when I've told people you know about this project, there is kind of a a whiff of snobbery. Oh, it's with a tennis ball. Oh, it's in a car park. That's not proper cricket. As if somehow, you know, turning up on a Sunday to the local village, you know, local village cricket pitch somehow has kind of more legitimacy than than a group of, of migrants playing cricket in the car park in, in Beirut. And I think that that's something potentially that we miss in this country. And I think, you know, I've noticed when, I, when, you, when you go to, to India, when you go to Pakistan, when you go to, to, to Sri Lanka, cricket's played everywhere. And that's why cricket's growing in the subcontinent. And, and I think, you know, I think I was actually in Pakistan in, in March and I met Mejid Khan and he made the point that actually kind of cricket at the most basic level, you know, I think we, we hear a lot about the expense of cricket in this country and the need for space and and. and and all of these kind of, you know, barriers to why cricket isn't growing or why cricket participation is decreasing. And Mejid Khan made this really interesting point that actually when you go to an urban jungle like Lahore or Beirut or Colombo, cricket in its simplest form requires 22 yards, a tennis ball and a bat. And you don't actually need a huge amount of space in the way that you would for football. So it actually, you know, it can, it can grow quite quickly, you know, in these urban kind of, you know, these kind of urban settings where there is a lack of space. And then you kind of go and, and take that to a car park and suddenly actually, you know, the, the cricket being played there is, 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 is deeply serious. And I think, you know, just, just listening to, to Fernando talk about it, I think people can probably tell that, that cricket's a very serious pursuit for, for him as well. I must say, yeah. You so say you just dropped into the conversation there, uh, Will, that you met the great Majid Khan, of course, 
uh, played beautiful batsman for Pakistan, um, and he learned his cricket in Zaman Park, a very built-up area, so a bit less so then, you know, playing with his cousin Imran and uh, all kinds of other, uh, Javed Burki, who was the captain of Pakistan. And so, you know, cricket is not, you know, this sort of, not not just grass wickets and the immaculate whites, and uh, it's, it's, it's a rough-and-tumble game. Uh, and of course, I think most more cricket around the world is played in parks and with uh, improvised improvised equipment by far, as we know from Pakistan, Sri Lanka, India, and so on. And that's the beauty of it, and probably it's the future of it, I guess. I mean, one of the most wonderful things I saw in, in Pakistan was driving down a, a two-lane highway, and one lane was blocked off because there was a cricket game going on in it. Um, Quite right. But that is that is the kind of the essence of the game. Fernando, you mentioned other nationalities that uh, are playing cricket in um, in Lebanon, and I just wondered if they included, you know, any native Lebanese. Have, have you sort of recruited any Lebanese into into the world of cricket through your efforts? Uh, no, no. Uh, only once I remember that St. George Cricket Club, which is uh, Williams Cricket Club, he got one uh, Lebanese guy to play cricket. Other than that, no, they are not interested and. For them, it's a very, very complicated game. <laughs> so, no, no. That's a shame. We did have the brother-in-law of Suleiman Frangia play for our cricket club for a while. He's, he's kind of in, in the running to be the next president of, of Lebanon. And his brother-in-law played for our cricket club for a while. Oh. He'd, um, he'd grown up in Sydney, as, as lots of um, Lebanese have. And so he'd learned to play the game there. And when he found out about this, he, he was quite excited to come and play. And he actually turned up for the tournament we had the other day. Although he wasn't wasn't picked for the side, unfortunately, he didn't quite make the cut. <laughs> William, you haven't you, you've never found any cricket players from Zahle, have you, uh, in the Becker Valley? Because that's where two of my grandparents were born. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm sure that somewhere in, in Zahle there are a group of Sri Lankans and Pakistanis playing. Um, well, I hope so. Up there hope so. as well. If there are any local people named Rabay playing cricket, they may be relatives of mine. That was my, gr- oh, we'll, my we'll grandfather's name. That was, please do. That that was my grandfather's name. And if so, all the family talent, any family talent has deserted me. It's in the, in the Lebanese branch of the family. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, uh, Fernando. Your story is absolutely exhilarating, very moving. Uh, and it reminds a lot of people, I think, listening to this podcast, how lucky we have all been as cricket lovers to get access to sort of the local village cricket map or whatever it is without any hindrance or interruption from authorities. But thank you so much. And thank you. Lovely to talk to you, Will. Uh, uh, really, uh, what a great conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you both for me too. Um, and um, Fernando, you, I, it's Sunday tomorrow. Are you playing tomorrow? Of course we do, yes. Of course you, of course you do. <laughs> Can't wait. Best of luck for best of luck for tomorrow. Yeah, enjoy. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. Sure you will. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Well, it's goodbye for me, Peter Oborn. It's clouded over here in Wiltshire, but the rain has stopped. It's goodbye for me, Richard Heller in southeast London, where the sun is shining brightly, but it's still pretty cold. Mm-hmm.